0: Welcome to The Compassionate Life with Dr. Brittany King. In this hour, you'll hear stories about kindness, selflessness, and of course, compassion. The hope is that you'll be inspired to create some compassionate moments of your very own. Now, here is
2: Dr. Brittany King. Hi, this is Dr. Brittany King, and you are listening to The Compassionate Life on Voice America's Empowerment Channel. Today, we will be speaking with Diane McGill, the president of the Pet Peace of Mind organization. First, I'm just going to give you a little bit of a background on Diane and the Pet Peace of Mind. The Pet Peace of Mind was founded by a group of professionals working in the fields of human health care, medical research, academia, palliative care, veterinary medicine, business, and nonprofit operations. Recognizing the growing research, proving the emotional and health benefits of the human pet bond. PPOM's leaders seek to fill a void in the nonprofit sector dedicated to helping hospice and palliative care patients care for their own pets. Pet Peace of Mind's mission is to enrich the quality of life and well-being of hospice and palliative care patients by providing a national support network to help care for the pets they love. We envision a nation where all patients have the support they need to maintain the loving bond with their pets. Diane McGill founded this incredible organization in 2015 to ensure that older adults and hospice patients have the support they need for their animal companions. She is the former chief executive officer of the Banfield Charitable Trust, where we met years ago. She joined the BCT in 2006 and guided the charity's growth, including the development and launch of the Pet Peace of Mind and Meals on Wheels pet care assistance programs. During her tenure, the charity was thrice awarded Charity Navigator's four-star rating for operational transparency and financial stewardship. In twenty thirteen and twenty fourteen, the Navigator also named the charity to its national top ten list of impact to income public charities. And now we're going to hear from Diane directly for the next hour. Hi Diane. Hi, Brittany. How are you? Good. Thank this you for coming very on our exciting show.
1: To, to be on your show and to be the first guest, I'm so honored.
2: <laughs> the Premier, thank you so much i couldn 't think of a better person
1: ah, you 're sweet
2: um, so first um, why don 't you just tell us a little bit about your charitable endeavor background
1: well i my mom was a wonderful inspiration for me. Uh, she had a major physical disability, but she always found time and energy to do something for others and it really helped lay the foundation for my own life in terms of doing something for others without expectations. So I did a lot of volunteer work through Girl Scouts and Youth Group and other organizations that let kids volunteer. But as I got older, I discovered I was a serial volunteer. I found lots of really interesting ways to get involved with causes that I believed in, and especially through nonprofit board service. Um, I've also spent a lot of time as a volunteer community mediator, helping people settle their differences without going to court.
2: That's interesting. No, that's, um, you have quite the, the leadership going on there. Yeah. Um, why, well, why have you decided personally it was a, a calling to give back? Um, you, you know, you mentioned your mom, but was there something else that spoke to you um, just kind of from, from early on?
1: Yeah, actually, it, it um, I think everyone gets an opportunity to enrich their lives by actions that benefit others. But I did indeed have a personal epiphany um, that led me to work in, you know, at, at nonprofit profession full time. About 15 years ago, a very close family member was extremely ill. And um, my husband and I relocated from, we were living in New York at the time, and we relocated to the West Coast to be with him while his life drew to a close. And it was a great opportunity for me to use that period to really think through my own destiny and to, to really examine whether I was living my life the way I thought I was really intended to. And, in fact, I realized that I wasn't. I, wanted, I, I really wanted to spend the second half of my career directing my energies to nonprofit work full-time. So I got a job with a wonderful college foundation that helped underserved students have an opportunity to go to college. Many of them were the first attendees of higher education in their whole families. It was very rewarding, and I've just been delighted with my decision to move into nonprofit service full-time, and I've never looked back.
2: Oh, that's really admirable. And then the fact that it's kind of flowed and changed—you know—directions of that course into into pets and everything else. Right. Um Well, why don't we get to the pet peace of mind? Um, I gave a little bit of background, but if you'd like to expand upon that, um, what exactly is the pet peace of mind organization, and and what inspired you to found it? Sure. So Pet Peace of Mind is an all-volunteer organization. As you
1: mentioned in your intro, um, there are a number of people that serve on the board and volunteer for Pet Peace of Mind, and everyone does it because they love the work and they love the mission. None of us get paid, but it doesn't take away from the fact that we develop um, a very robust program, and it continues to grow and grow and grow. Um, in other words, you know, just getting to some of the specifics. What we do is we provide a turnkey model to nonprofit human hospices so that they can establish a program which uses their own volunteers in the community to help with hospice patients' pet care needs. So we provide everything they need to start a local program, including a very comprehensive training program, and then we give them um all the materials that they need to run the program, including staff and volunteer training modules and all the forms to run the program and all the marketing materials. We obviously list them on our national website, but maybe the most important thing that we, we give them is a couple of things, actually. Um, we help them with startup funding so that they have some money to help patients with necessary pet care expenses. But we also provide them with ongoing support once the program is off the ground. Um, Pet Peace of Mind is now eight, almost eight years old, and there aren't too many weeks that I go without having a, a hearing from some members that joined the Pet Peace of Mind Network right out of the gate, still have questions about things that they encounter or situations that they've got. Um, you know, scratching their head about, so it is a it 's a long term endeavor once a hospice joins the pet peace of mind network and in terms of you know your second half of your question, which was what you know what what inspired the founding of the organization so during a board planning session many years ago, we got into a conversation about how hospice patients dealt with their pet care needs, obviously as as the dying process begins to speed up. Patients get too sick to care for their pets, and lots of times their caregivers are so overwhelmed with just managing the patient's needs that pets get overlooked, certainly not by design, but it just, you know, there's only so many hours and so much energy in a day. So Mm -hmm. helping volunteers, helping hospices train volunteers to go in and deliver pet care services is a wonderful way to help patients maintain that important bond with their pets, but also for um, the hospice to help take some of the stress off the
2: caregiver. um, and not not be be so overwhelmed by it all. Yeah, not be Mm -hmm.
1: so overwhelmed, exactly. That's exactly right.
2: That's so admirable. Um, I, I think it's incredible that you've made, I mean, it's not just... One national organization; those, the, like you mentioned, the turnkey model and it being sustainable, and then literally having a play-by-play book for people trying to, you know, support this within their own local hospitals, hospices, whatever. Um, I mean, that's huge. That's so, it's so a, a tree with many branches. Um, really, really admirable.
1: Well, in the um, program, you know, to to be really um, uh, honoring. Of the work of others, the program was created with a lot of advice from many of our hospice partners around the country, and specifically, we had one terrific partner, Hospice of Green Country, in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Uh, their, Their team, and especially the veterinarian who ran the program for them, they were major players in helping lay some of the foundational pieces of the program that you know then. took took on its own life and really began to grow. But the program wouldn't be where it is today without some fantastic advice from many, many hospice partners who really understood the hospice patient side of it. I mean, we were certainly in a good position to help with the pet care instruction and putting funds into place and some of the other technical aspects of the program that dealt with the pet care side. But... What we were always lacking is what's the hospice perspective on how this program runs once it's behind the the gates of a hospice. Um, And, again, those hospice partners were essential to the success of the, especially the early success of the program. So it was certainly a joint effort.
2: Right. Did you were there any specific challenges um, in the beginning that you recognized? I mean, it, it is really important to have that perspective from the hospice mm-hmm. patient um, as you're trying to you know keep them with their animal, their pet, and bonded. Um, and then how how the program's perceived. Was there anything specifically kind of in the beginning that you found that has been able to metamorphosize into into what it is now?
1: There really wasn't. It, it's almost as if this program was just meant to be. Um, it was awesome. a smooth operating program from the minute we opened our doors on making the program available to nonprofit hospices around the country. Uh, it's been blessedly so that it just it it is a very efficient and um, complex program but it helps an awful lot of patients keep their pets with them by their sides through the end of life. And perhaps one of the most important aspects of the program, for patients who can't let go and pass on until they know what's going to happen to their pet. Um, The program also provides assistance with rehoming or foster care so that the patient can pass in peace and know that his or her pet will be able to thrive in a new home uh, and will not end up in a shelter to you know, face an uncertain future.
2: It's, it's, I mean, it's, it's more than anybody can. Um, I mean, that's one of the most selfless end-of-life things you can give back. Um, all well, right. And as, well,
1: a, and as a veterinarian, I imagine that you have encountered uh, patients who were about to pass and did not have a plan for their pets, maybe they didn't. Maybe they weren't even on hospice. Maybe they were just older and and mm-hmm. really didn't um, have a plan for their pet. It's a tragedy that can be easily thought through long before end of life uh, with just a little bit of advanced planning. So um, we're constantly evangelizing to people, no matter what age. Be sure you've got a plan for your pet. I mean, no one wants their pet to be abandoned and alone if something were to happen to them. But no. you know, as, as the human part of the human-animal bond, it's up to each of us to make sure that we've put a good, solid program in
2: place um, for our pets in the event that you know they outlive us. Absolutely. All right. Well, it's time for us to take a short break. This is Dr. Brittany King, and my guest is Diane McGill of The Pet Peace of Mind. And you are listening to The Compassionate Life with myself on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Stay tuned. <coughs>
0: motivate change succeed voiceamericaempowerment.com do you feel alone trying to conquer life's challenges do you feel that there's sometimes nowhere to turn and nobody really understands remember you are not alone every week host april joy ford who has faced adversity as a constant in her life helps you rise above life's challenges with your own blueprint meant to discover the powerful you. April's challenges have included childhood sexual abuse, becoming a widow and single parent at 32, and other such curveballs. She'll help you get empowered holistically every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Empowerment.
3: It's time to access your magic...
0: to the compassionate life. To reach Dr. Brittany King or her guest today, please call into our program at 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. Or send an email to BrittanyKing.swimbet at gmail.com. Now, back
2: to the show. Hi, this is Dr. King and we're back and we are speaking with Diane McGill of The Pet Peace of Mind. So, Diane... Um, do you remember the very first patient that was helped by the program?
1: Boy, I sure do. I think that's a story I'll never forget. Um, the, the program had just gone live. And what, we, what I mean by gone live is that we just started to offer it to nonprofit hospices. And there is a training process. So even going live meant that it wasn't quite yet available to help patients. But a woman in in Florida heard about, um, she, she actually read some of our promotional materials that we'd put out on, on, uh, in a press release. And she called me and said, I live in Florida, my best friend is dying, and her two mm-hmm. cats mean everything in the world to her. She cannot let go until there's a home for her cats. Mm-hmm. And her friend explained that she was horribly allergic to the cats, or she'd take them herself, but her larger concern was that the woman's son uh, told the woman that she, he was going to just take the cats down to the shelter and have them euthanized as soon as she passed. And she <laughs> was just my heart. beside that's herself with grief. Yeah, right? I, I cannot mm-hmm. imagine the cruelty that went into that statement, um, mm-hmm. even if someone wasn't dying. That's an incredibly cruel thing to, to do and to say. Mm-hmm. So needless to say, you know, the woman's end-of-life journey was, very troubled and her friend was doing everything she could to help and her friend explained that she had called everywhere looking for help Um, and she was at her wit's and she said so when I heard about that peace of mind I just felt like a, a ray had opened for me and I'm calling you today on behalf of my dying friend is there anything you can do to help And as I said, we didn't have the program. We didn't have any partners yet. The program was launched, but nobody was live with it. So we started, my my team and I, we started calling all over Florida. We called every contact that we could think of, every shelter, every organization, and no one could provide immediate help. And I finally called an extremely close friend of mine who happened to be a veterinarian, and um, I explained the situation to him, and he said, you know, I don't know of anyone who can take her pets except me. And he drove three hours that night um, to go and pick up her cats. And he, <laughs> they are still oh. with him. I talked to him not too long ago, and he still that's, has those two cats. So That's incredible. The I mean, that's and so kindness. selfless. Yeah. 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 Goodness and kindness is everywhere. You just have to ask.
2: And look. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So he drove out there. Oh wow, to get to get them, and then he—you said he still has them, right? He does. Yeah, he sure Aww. does. Um, well, that's—I mean—that's really—it's touching. I mean, it just—it just shows that. Um, I mean, there there are so many other alternatives and, and your organization, I mean, went out on a limb. You didn't have the people in Florida. You found somebody. Um, of course, I prefer, yep, I like the veterinarian <laughs> side of it. But um, I mean, just... The peace that she had then later being able um, to pass on also and knowing that, you know, her pets were cared for, something that she cared about and wanted to make sure that her friends and family basically and her her furry friends were, furry family was taken care of.
1: Absolutely.
2: Really, really inspiring. Um, Let's talk a little bit more about um, kind of the operational side of it. So how does Pet Peace of Mind operate and fund the programs that you support?
1: Well, like every other nonprofit, we rely on public donations to fund our work. Hint, 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 hint.
2: (laughs) (laughs) You can go to (laughs) petpeaceofmind.org.
1: But all kidding aside, we do, um, you know, we received a a very uh, wonderful grant um, to keep the programs um, in funds while they're getting started up. But um, as we continue to spend down those funds, I mean, we, are, we need other funding, and the funding all goes to helping hospices um, take care of pet care needs for their patients. So it is a, it's a donation that everyone can make that really um, will be used for exactly what we said we would do with it. So,
2: Right. No, and it doesn't go to, um, because as you mentioned before, this, this organization is all-profit, Hundred percent volun, no, non hundred percent nonprofit, <laughs> yes, right? Right, hundred percent all volunteer. Um, so, so I mean, these uh, they're not funding their salaries for this organization, basically. Right. So,
1: although I would um, also just make a plug that it, it is, you know, nonprofit people need to to live too. I mean, happily we found a way with wonderful volunteers and involved board members, et cetera, to to get by without it. But um, I I'm a big I'm a big proponent of, you know, people that join the nonprofit world,
2: they gotta eat too. So <laughs> No, absolutely. I mean everything you do to, to give back. But I think you'd mentioned before too, I mean most of the board members, they all have different jobs and different careers. I mean, this yeah. is something they're doing on their volunteer time, which is exactly you know, yeah. really impressive. Yeah. Um yeah. kind of how widespread is is the pet piece of mine. You mentioned, I mean, you have a turnkey model or um, how can people locate, pet peace of mind, find them, follow them? Mm-hmm. So we're a
1: national organization, and we have more than 100 partner nonprofit partners in 38 states. And our largest concentration is in Florida. But we, we maintain a listing of all of our uh, nonprofit hospice partners on our website so, um, for someone looking for a hospice with the program, you can visit, uh, petpeaceofmind.org and then just look for locations. And, um, you know, it's, it's, uh, right on our, our, uh, website homepage. Um, in terms of being able to follow our work, of course, we are, we are active on social media. We have, um, uh, a, a good Facebook following and certainly Twitter and LinkedIn. Uh, all of them under the name Pet Peace of Mind. We don't have any funny business.
2: So okay. Pet Peace One of Mind and you'll be able
1: to find her. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right. Right.
2: Okay. Now that's good. And what about, so if you're trying to raise funds for, you know, I mean, it's difficult, a new startup, um, for mm-hmm. instance, you know, we could talk a little bit about um, your team Pet Peace of Mind that you're beginning here. Um, how do you go about raising funds for that? So, Team Pet
1: Peace of Mind is actually um, an opportunity for anyone in the country who's interested in running, walking, bicycling, or otherwise participating in a local sporting event. You can run, or walk, or cycle for a Pet Peace of Mind. Team Pet Peace of Mind. So um, if, if someone is interested in, so let me give you an example this fall in October, we will have a, a very robust team of runners competing in the Portland Marathon and half marathon in October and each most of the team, not all of them, but most of them are involved in raising money for um, for our efforts and the way rent money actually gets raised is, you reach out into your personal social network and let people know what you're doing and ask them if they will support you with a small contribution. And naturally, the contributions, when made through our website, are 100% tax deductible. So it's a great way for a supporter to participate in a fun event and get healthier, and it's a great way for a donor to support someone they love and a charity that's doing Really good work on behalf of pets and hospice patients. So um, I'm going to make a plug for our virtual coach, National Coach, <laughs> Dr. Brittany King. <laughs> thank you so much for doing that. We are really grateful to have you um, coaching our runners through your many, many years of athletic endeavors. So thank you for doing that for us.
2: Oh no, of course I love. Well, we worked together for so many years from. Everything back, um, including many rock and rolls of the BCT, and and yeah. being a virtual coach is really fun. Uh, you you know you have all types of runners, walkers, people that it's their couch to five k to. You know, um, seasoned runners that are looking for more nutritional tips and um, inspiration, motivation. But I've always found I've been really impressed with the level of fundraising that that's happened with those. You'd be surprised. I mean, it, it's exactly what you stated. People just reach out to their own personal networks, ask for you know no doma- no donations too small, um, and then I, I mean I remember one one girl I think it was one of the last rock and rolls I I virtual coached with basically and um i think she'd raise like 2200 or something like that it, you know yeah. it's incredible and then you take a, an entire team of that and that's all going back to fund pet peace of mind and it's just this snowball effect i'm um, really honored you to,
1: it's easy to do too it you know it is one of the the least painless ways to do fundraising because especially mm-hmm. when you're you're undertaking you know, i've got a great story about um one of the most inspirational stories that has to do with having an athletic team like this in support of a charity. There was a a woman who um, was rather overweight, and she made a commitment before she ever joined the team that she was going to finish a half marathon and that she was going to get down to a healthy weight by doing so, through you know her belly exercise routine, getting ready for the half, and through better eating and nutrition, mm-hmm. and as she ran across the finish line four months later, she was fifty pounds lighter, wow. and she was in amazing shape.
2: I'm so so much more confident.
1: That's amazing. Yes, so much more confident. <laughs> yeah. I think we were all very proud of her. She was one of our most inspirational team members. But it was a, it was an honor to have her on the team, and be such a wonderful motivational force for the rest of the team. So.
2: That's no. That's a. I mean, I love those types of stories. I love to hear. Um I mean people doing that they're going they're trying to reach their own personal goal they're helping a you know another organization at the same time it's just um it's a great way and I've, I again I mean I can't state enough I'm honored that you asked me to to be your virtual coach this year but also that just how it, it's not that difficult to reach out and you know just reach out to your network ask who who would like to donate and you'd be surprised so yeah well, I think
1: part of the donation motivation for um, supporters of, of, you know, some of the runners, undertaking a half or a full marathon or a century bike ride, that is a major, major endeavor. I remember mm-hmm. how thrilled my family was when I decided to run my first half marathon. And frankly, I was so proud of myself. I'd never done anything athletic in my life before. I was that kid in gym class that, Everyone else would go, oh, man, is it our turn to have her on our team? And I was that way through my whole adult life, too. So I had no confidence in my ability to do something like that. And I remember as I ran across the finish line for the first half marathon that I ever ran, I burst into tears. I was so proud of myself. Oh, that's amazing. It was an amazing feeling. So I I highly recommend this
2: as a life-changing experience for people. Great. No, that's, I mean, that's perfect example. Um, all right. It's actually time for us to take another short break. Um, this, again, is Dr. Brittany King and my guest, Diane McGill of The Pet Peace of Mind. You're listening to The Compassionate Life, and we'll be back. Stay tuned.
0: Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. How are you doing in your life? Do you control your life, or does it control you? In our hectic, overconnected world, do you spend too much time feeling tired and wired? Tune in to Master Your Life with hosts Leah Mattinson and Dr. Howard Rankin for inspiration, insight, and intelligence on how to gain control of yourself and your life. Along with some inspirational and knowledgeable guests, Leah and Howard will give you the tools needed to help you on your journey. Tune in every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, Noon Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel
3: women in sport has come a long way in a reasonably short time. In the 1950s, most women's sport was casual, recreational competition, followed by snacks or a light lunch. Today, women's sport is competitive, powerful, and in the mainstream, whether it's collegiate, Olympics, or professional leagues. Tune in to Women and Sport, The Long Road Up, where you'll discover the path that women's sport has taken over the past 50 years and more. Featuring your host, Carol A. Oglesby. Listen Tuesdays at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Empowerment.
0: Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. listening to The Compassionate Life. To reach Dr. Brittany King or her guest today, please call into our program at 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. Or send an email to brittanyking.swimbet at gmail.com. Now, back to the show.
2: We're back. This is Dr. Brittany King, and you are listening to Diane McGill, the pet peace of mind with The Compassionate Life. All right. Thank you, Diane, so much. We've really learned a lot about pet peace of mind, and um, it's just been great learning more about everything around the organization. Um, what, what specific kinds of people and pets do you help?
1: Well, of course, our, um, on the people side, our nonprofit hospice partners offer the services to any patient who has a strong pet bond. Um, one of the things that we tell our nonprofit partners um, our, our hospice partners when they're starting to bring the program up is that pet peace of mind isn't for everyone I mean it, it really is designed to support the human animal bond so that if they're um, you know if, if it, they visit a home and um, you know there's there are Pets where there's no real bond in place, that isn't really what Pet Peace of Mind is designed to do because the patient's Mm -hmm. not involved in that pet's life. But when there's a real family member, um, you know, the, the pet is on the patient's lap or on the bed or there are pictures and toys scattered all over the house, that's a pretty clear signal for our hospice partners that there's a strong pet bond in place. So, you know, to reiterate, it it is really designed for any patient that needs help supporting that pet bond. Now, in terms of the kinds of pets that receive help, all of our hospice partners um, help with dogs and cats. But there are many hospice partners around the country who deal with some more unusual pets. Um, Lots of them actually will help out with birds or horses. I mean, there's some very strong bonds between people and their horses. Um, Some of them, especially in the Southwest, help with reptiles. We've had a guillemot, or, um, oh, I can't remember. It was a, um, gosh, sorry, the name escapes me. It was a friendly lizard.
2: Komodo dragon? Um,
1: (laughs) No, it wasn't a Komodo dragon. It was another type of, some type of lizard. But at any rate, um, some of them help with snakes, (laughs) Not my first choice, but hey, you know, bought, the bond is the bond is the bond. Whatever you bond with. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I think the, straight, the strangest one I've ever heard of, there was a hospice in the Southwest that um, actually helped someone with a pet tarantula. So, again, the bond is the bond is the bond. Um, but, Absolutely. Wow. <laughs> okay.
2: Okay. <laughs> Um, no, that's uh, that's interesting. We actually have a caller, Katie from Georgia, um, that we'd like to hear from. Hi, Katie, are you there? Yes. Can you hear me? Yes. Hi. How are you?
4: I'm great. How are you guys? Good. Hi. hi. <laughs> I'm so glad. Thank to you be for Georgia. calling in. Thank you. I'm glad. I'm glad to be on the show. This is a very important program to our patients.
2: Absolutely. Um, do you have any specific um, stories that you would like to share or, or any that stuck out in your mind?
4: Yes, yes. We've had the program since 2010. We ten. We're one of the first three hospices in the United States to do it. And um, recently we've had a patient that dog was positive for heartworms. And because of the complex protocol for heartworm treatment, the patient just couldn't handle doing the medications himself. So Mm -hmm. we actually have a volunteer that is fostering the dog uh, during the first 30 days of the protocol and is uh, providing the medical treatment to the dog and also setting up visitation uh, with the patient so that he can see his dog while the dog's going through the heartworm protocol. And um, it's been very exciting because this is the first time we've done it.
2: No, that's great. Um, it can be so. I mean, there's. I know from you know veterinary standpoint that that protocol is qu- pretty intensive, um, and there's a lot of exercise restriction and things. And if if that hospice patient who's really bonded to their pet can't be with them during that time frame, um, you, it's a perfect organization to be helping with that. So, thank you. Yeah, the
4: patient the patient needed the extra support to make sure that the dog got the medication timely and. Um, Oops. that, you know, the dog was given what it's needed and the volunteers taken to bed appointments and all that stuff that's needed, uh, for this protocol. So that, that's a neat story for us right now. And the patient is just very thankful that they were able to help financially support this and b that we have a volunteer that's willing to, to support oh. this by caring for the dog.
2: Right, do the legwork, because it's not just about keeping um, the pets with their, with their patients or their human, human family member. It's, I mean, these pets aren't 100% healthy a lot of times. I mean, they are going to need that care. They are going to need vet visits and all the logistics around that. So thank you for, for doing what you do.
4: <laughs> well, thank you. We're, we're, we're happy to do it. And um, the pets definitely make a difference in our patients' lives, and we want to make sure that they're with them through their end-of-life journey.
1: Katie, I have a, a follow-up question for you. Um, uh, if if it's okay, if I, is it okay, Brittany, if I ask Katie a question? Absolutely. So, Katie, um, I, do you encounter patients um, who are surprised about the existence of pet peace of mind? We hear from a lot of our partners around the country uh, that often patients are just so caught off guard that this service even exists for them. Do you have that experience at Columbus Hospice as well?
4: Oh, definitely. They um, are almost kind of shocked (laughs) that we um, have this program, um, often very thankful and um, can't say enough about how much it means to them. So, yeah, they definitely are surprised um, along with the care that we give the patient. The family is so happy that we can support uh, keeping the pet in the home. Yeah. Great. Thank you. Thank you.
2: Thank you. Thank you for calling in, Katie.
4: Thanks. You guys have a great night.
2: Thanks, right. You too. <laughs> Bye. Um well we have a we have a few more minutes for our next break. Um Diane, how about any special stories from you?
1: Oh, I have one that just is So touching. I think one of the more touching stories um, that I've heard from from, uh, one of our hospice partners, we've had a a hospice recently that was caring for an extremely, extremely poor woman. Uh, She had nothing. She was just one step above homeless. But she had a cat that was her entire life. And from the moment she entered uh, hospice service, she started talking to her hospice team about, I need to find a home for my cat before I go. I have to find a home for my cat before I can die. And mm-hmm. she was just relentless at about finding a home for her cat so that she could let go. Mm-hmm. And uh, luckily, the hospice um, had a really strong network of uh, adopters, And they found a home for her pet rather quickly, and she um, was very grateful. She got to meet the new pet parents where her pet would be going, and she told them, Mm -hmm. "Um, after I'm gone, I've got a letter that will explain um, all of the cat's behavior and some special things that you'll need to know to be this cat's new pet family. So she died shortly after that, and the... um, new pet family came to pick up the pet, and um, indeed, she had left an envelope for them, and they they um, opened the envelope to read it, and several hundred dollars fell out, mm-hmm. and there was a letter that was with it that said, I know that I really bu- bugged and bugged and bugged the hospice to try and find a new pet family for my cat, but I... Lost. I had two children when I was young, and I lost them because I neglected them and I didn't watch out after them. And when I got a pet later in my life, I vowed that I would do everything I could to be responsible for my pet and to make sure that it was always safe and well taken care of and always had a wonderful home. So when I found out I was going to die, I started saving money so that... My cat would um, have everything she needed uh, to live a good life after me, and it was my last chance to really redeem myself in God's eyes that I was a responsible person and could love something outside of myself. Mm -hmm. So the depth of the way this program touches people, it it just cannot be understated.
2: Mm Mm-mm. No, I mean that it gives you chills. Um, that just and then that gives her peace of mind. I mean, yeah. wow. I mean, it, it, I don't think I could really say much else to that except that. I mean, it does it the does depth leave and the levels. A little bit
1: speechless. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I mean, um, just that, that that this woman had. I mean, devoted the end stages of her life and her passion to making sure that she was righting some wrongs that she felt. That had gone, you know, within her own her own life, and um, not only that, she bonded and had that bond with a with a special cat, but then that pe- people were willing to see that bond and to help her be able to transition into the next into the next life, um, you know, by by that peace of mind. So, thank you for sharing that. That's uh, it, it, each one of your stories are truly so touching and different. It's um, a real honor. Really- to-
1: be part of this organization.
2: Absolutely. Um, we might uh, jump around. We've got about two minutes. How many hospices are there out there in, in total?
1: So there are almost 5,000 hospices, but we only offer the program to nonprofit hospices, and there are 1,500 approximately 1,500 nonprofit hospices in the country. So we have lots and lots of opportunities to continue to make a difference with more partners, Um, and we are constantly looking for new partners. So if there is someone who is involved with a nonprofit hospice or palliative care program or a hospital organization, if you're listening and you're interested in starting a program like this, um, well, I know we're going to provide some information at the end of the show on how to contact me, but please, please reach out. We we are eager to fund as many nonprofit programs as we can. Um, we've got plenty of funding to be able to help, so please reach out and um, let us let us tell you about the program.
2: Awesome. No, that will be really important for people to get wow. that information and how they can get involved. Um, thank you again for providing such just a great avenue for people and, and something that I don't think a lot of people know or think about. Um, they may not have ever been aware of, of places like, you know, or programs like yours and and then their own local communities and, and ways they can actually almost do a startup um, sure. with that model that's provided. So um all right. It actually is time for us to take another short ba- break. Um this is again myself, Dr. King, and my guest is Diane McGill of the pet peace of mind. We are on the Compassionate Life Empowerment channel and stay tuned. <coughs>
0: Find us on Facebook to keep
3: up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. When you see someone, are you seeing the person or the perception?
0: us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. You are listening to The Compassionate Life. To reach Dr. Brittany King or her guest today, please call into our program at 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. Or send an email to brittanyking.swimbet at gmail.com. Now, back
2: to the show. Hi, welcome back. It's Dr. King and Diane McGill of The Pet Peace of Mind, and we are on The Compassionate Life. So, Diane, um, do you work with any other organizations besides Pet Peace of Mind?
1: We do, actually. We, um, you know, in addition to the, the nonprofit hospice partners that we fund and get up and running, we have a very collaborative relationship with the National Hospice and Palliative Care Organization. Now, this is the national organization that serves as sort of the um, the Keeper of the Flame on all things hospice. It's a membership organization that hospices can join and stay current on trends and regulatory information that governs hospice operations. Um, They provide continuing ed. They provide many, many excellent services for their hospice member partners. And they also, um, one of the things that they do for us is they are wonderful evangelists for the Pet Peace of Mind story. Uh, They have a video feed called Moments of Life Made Possible by Hospice, and they actually prepared two videos about actual patients who were receiving services from a community Pet Peace of Mind partner. So if you have an opportunity, visit NHPCO's um, Moments of Life Made Possible by Hospice feed and um, watch those videos there. Very, very compelling. So, again, we're really grateful to NHPCO for all of the help they give us, getting the word out about the program to uh, their nonprofit members and, you know, to the, the U.S. at large. I mean, they yeah. certainly are in service to their members, but they are wonderful communicators about hospice isn't about dying. It's about the quality of life at end of life, and mm-hmm. they never, ever lose sight of that message. They are fantastic promoters of exactly what hospice is and does.
2: Right. That's so powerful. Um, All right. Um, Why don't we move to, um, do you have specifically um, any, like your most rewarding moment in pet peace of mind's operation, any stories to tell us around that?
1: Well, it, 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 happened actually not that long ago, Um, I got a call from a hospice partner who said, I just wanted to share this story with you because it tells tells such a story about what pet peace of mind does in patients' lives in a very unexpected way. They had a person who was on hospice service and she had an extremely disfiguring facial cancer Mm -hmm. and she was so embarrassed by her appearance that she did not want that hospice team in her house or anywhere near her. She just couldn't bear the humiliation and shame of how she looked. And her pet got sick. And she called her hospice team and she said, hey, I remember that you told me that you have pet care services and I I don't want to volunteer in my home, but I do need help to get my pet to the vet. Mm -hmm. So uh, the hospice one of the hospice volunteer coordinators went over and picked up the pet, took it to the vet, and, you know, got the services that the pet needed to retain, to, re, to return to good health. And when she brought the pet back home, the patient let her sit there for a while and, and visit a bit. And over time, this person and the patient developed a very strong bond of friendship. And right before the patient passed, she said, you know, if it hadn't been for my pet, I would have spent my last days all alone in complete isolation. Mm -hmm. So I'm grateful for the program, and I'm grateful that you became my friend at a time when I needed someone the most. And I feel like that is a perfect example of the program's unexpected benefits Mm -hmm. that happen for hospices and their patients every single day.
2: I mean, you can't say it any better. I mean, the human-animal bond is it's so beneficial in so many walks of life, levels of life, stages of life. Yes, um, it is. That's really, that's an incredible story. Um, how? So if, if people want to get involved, um, how can they get involved with the Pet Peace of Mind?
1: Well, the best way to do it is to visit our website, which is petpeaceofmind.org. That's petpeaceofmind. dot org, or can send an email to info at PetPeaceOfMind.org. dot um, org. And I give this information. Here's here's what you can do by either visiting our site or sending us an email. Just this past just this week, um, Monday, in fact, I got an email from a woman who um, heard about the program and said. I know you don't have a hospice in my community, but I really want to do something to help this program. What can I do? And I actually reached out to the hospice that was the closest to her, and unbeknownst to me, they had just started offering services in her county, and they needed a Pet Peace of Mind volunteer. So if you're interested in volunteering for the program, I'd love to hear from you, because we maintain a list of volunteer names, that we can then connect to a hospice when a program goes live. If you're interested in doing the sporting event that we talked a little bit uh, about a little bit ago, um, we'd love to talk with you about how to get that up and running, too. And naturally, you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or LinkedIn. Um, and if there are any veterinarians listening today, mm-hmm. we will be at the um, uh, American Veterinary Medical Association Conference, August 5th, um, look for our booth in the trade show, yeah, and come and, meet, uh, come and meet us. We'd love to get to know you and tell you how veterinarians play a very special role in pet peace of mind. Gosh, we could do a whole story on the role of veterinarians in pet peace of mind, but if you're going to AVMA, please come by the booth and say hello, and uh, we'd love to meet you.
2: Definitely. That's a great conference too. There's, there's so many I mean, thousands of people go to that. Um, so, all right, we're getting kind of near our close. If you had any single piece of advice that you would give to someone in their own environment, who's lof- looking for a way to give back, um, what would be your life peace of mind?
1: I would say, follow your heart and don't ever forget the quote that, that says, the journey of a thousand miles begins with one step. Just find an organization whose work you admire and start with that small step. You know, Maybe it's sharing the existence of that org that you believe in. Talk about it in your social media channels, or maybe you are a person who loves to to do or can envision yourself doing hands-on volunteer work in a cause that you believe in. And if you don't want to do either of those, you can make a contribution to support the work of a nonprofit that sings to your heart. But there's always a way to get involved with a cause that you believe in. But you have to take that first step. And once you take that first step, your heart really will guide you from there.
2: I, I don't think you could say it any better. I mean, that's that's so true. Um, I mean, find something you're passionate about. Find a, I mean, there's so many different organizations. Oh, not, there are so not, many. Yeah, not. I mean, not, yes, pet peace of mind, but there's, um, I mean, we'll be speaking one of these weeks here with a Faithful Paws, which is another organization. They do a lot of different um, volunteer programs with pets. And it doesn't just have to be pets, but get passionate about something. Want to give back? Give back to your environment um, in a small way, and it's it comes it circles back around really and truly. It is so become
1: a become a court Avocatha is a an amazing program that um, you know speaks is the voice of children who can't speak for themselves in the court system. There's just there's a thousand ways that you that anyone can get involved and give back, but you have to stop thinking about it and actually take an action step. I know there's millions of people who have all the best intentions in the world, and that's great, but <laughs> good intentions don't uh, don't get volunteer work done. So take right. a step and get involved. Do something for an org that you believe in.
2: I, I agree 100%. Well, thank you, Diane. It has been such a pleasure speaking with you today, and and you taking your time um, away from your busy schedule to be able to tell us all about Pet Peace of Mind and and its its makings and and how people can get involved and sharing those really compelling stories with us. I know I've been inspired by listening to you <laughs> just all hours. <laughs> so I'm um, um, really. Look forward to following Pet Peace of Mind and seeing all the great things to come, as there will be many.
1: Thank you so much. I was, it was an honor to, to be a guest on your show. Thank you very, very much.
2: Oh, likewise. So, um, all right. Well, thank you very much for joining us this hour with Diane McGill of the Pet Peace of Mine, and this is the Compassionate Life. I'm Dr. Brittany King, and we're on the Empowerment Channel at 3 p.m. Pacific Time every Tuesday. And if there's anything I'd like to say, remember to bark less and wag your tail more. Thank you.
0: Thank you for being a part of The Compassionate Life. Please join Dr. Brittany King again next Tuesday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time and 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. This week, how will you leave your compassionate mark on the world?